1: Well, hello everyone. Welcome back to the
2: Every Step Along the Way podcast. Uh, back, of course, with uh, myself, Michael Stockley, and of course, the man, the myth, the legend—that is, Mr. Daniel Buxton. Uh, Dan, how's your weekend been, mate?
3: Uh, busy. Um, very busy. Honestly, <laughs> you know the uh, the trade that I work in I had a rather large event happen yesterday, uh, <laughs> which, which meant the as, as somebody, a sort of work colleague of mine put it, the one day a year we actually have to do some work. <laughs>
2: so it's a bit yeah. harsh isn't it
3: yeah a little bit harsh but not too far not yes it's probably the one day year that we are strenuously working
2: these days by the time you did something yeah. you don't you don't have enough going on in your life do you already
3: no we we, no. we earn our money earn our money on Grand National Day
2: <laughs> you do anyway this is the horse racing podcast either way mate I'm glad you've had a good weekend busy one anyway um and yeah, similar. I went to Sheffield to watch the uh, World Championship snooker um, as well, which was which was really good. Ronnie O'Sullivan, never a, never a bad one to watch. But um, oh, right. now, yeah, it's he's a he, mate, he's such a good player, but he was very very average, um, unfortunately. But uh, anyway, now I was thinking about the podcast. But how should I best open this? Um, and I think on the, on the way for me to kind of really summarize it is. <laughs> Well, we've had a few months of coming on this podcast and thinking really positively, you know, a few positive results, great performances, blah, blah, blah. And, yeah, we've had it. Um, I think the last few games have eaten away of some of that positivity. Uh, I don't think we ever really expected playoffs. I, don't, I know you, Dan, were all for it, I remember, rightly. Uh, I tried um, to talk you out of it, but you you were. not
3: qu- not quite sure that's how it was
2: okay well, well we'll move swiftly on and before you start giving actual facts we don't do facts on this podcast we do speculation I, I thank will,
3: you very much i will <laughs> give you one fact one fact, though is, if we had managed to continue our all-winning streak that we were on and managed to win our those three the last three games where we've picked one point up if we managed to get win those three games which i know is a big ask but still we would now be a mere three points off the playoffs so although with seven games to go i was skeptical that we were in for the chance and i was thinking you know we've got to win all seven i think if we'd have won them three would we still be thinking we need to win all four when we're only three points off so really we probably could yeah we probably well by the looks of it we could have had one or two slip-ups as long as we won, say, I don't know, five out of seven, we probably could have gone in. But I don't know at this stage now. But Yeah, well, yeah, it,
2: it's, it's next season. as
3: big a dream as we thought.
2: No, I, I don't think it was. It wasn't, I mean, to be fair, when I looked at the, the fixtures, I, I kind of thought we could easily go all of them without losing, uh, to be honest. But, again, it didn't happen like that. Um, and like I said, you know, I think the last few months we've all felt relatively positive, you know, identity, et cetera. Now, I, I still hundred percent behind uh you know Alex Neil. not gonna go back on that um I just think like I said the last few games it's just and it's been a bit difficult and I'll give you my reasons actually at the end um of of this actually as to why I think it's kind of gone off a little bit but we obviously need to start off with the West Brom game you know um they beat us all twelve of them I'm, I'm not quite sure one of them why one of them actually had a whistle in his hand but either way you know they 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 managed to beat us um now so we, we we all went. I'm thinking about the predictions, Dan. I think I went for a 1-0 win. i got a feeling you went for like a 2-1 win, I think, or something like that. And Graham went for a win as well. Um, it didn't quite work out like that. I mean, you know, we had more possession, more passes, better passing accuracy. We had 10 shots. But obviously, it means absolutely nothing unless you win the game. What went wrong on Saturday?
3: I don't, it was like we put um, Bristol City on repeat, wasn't it? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, you know, that game in there where we took a lead in the first half. We looked comfortable. We we played. think we played. We played very well in that opening against Bristol City. I thought we were the better team in the first half against West Brom, but not necessarily completely dominant. Um, and then I, I I wouldn't. I I wonder, do wonder. Obviously, we're going to talk about that. You know, the injury, aren't we? At some point. Mm-hmm. Um, I do wonder sometimes those kind of injuries can knock the stuffing out of the team because you yeah. might find sort of elsewhere a bit isn't it especially especially in a game like that where the, the the team itself hasn't got any other sort of driver in like it's not as if it's well we've got to we've got to get our focus back on because we we, you know, we need this win for uh to stay up or we need this win because we, we you know keep ourselves in the playoffs or the you know or champions or whatever there's There was nothing like that to keep them on the game, if you like. I mean, obviously, you've got your own professionalism of, you know, you step out there 46 times a year. For the pain supporters, you you know, you you should be focused and everything. I understand that. But when something like that curveball comes in, like that injury, unless you've got something that makes you focus on it, I suppose the players, it is easy for them to
2: lose it and think more about that as the game goes on. Um. Well, I I think that's part of the reason, though, Dan. I was, I was going to say, I think, that's, I think you're right, because I, I, I think that's part of the reason why we faltered uh, is probably the fact that, you know, that little playoff carrot was still around. It was a distant one, but there was still something to play for. And it feels to me, when you look at the results and how it's panned out, that that's disappeared and all of a sudden the players, you know, know that nothing else is going to be done. You know, they're literally just trying to play the season out. They've got some holidays to look forward to. They all probably pre-boot where they're going to go. I'm sure Ben Wilmot has, and we'll get on to him shortly. You know, these players, that they, they, they boot their plans, and they don't want to go and get risk gain injured uh, in the last, you know, five, six, seven games um, because it'll be absolutely for nothing. So I I do wonder whether the drop-off in performances or, you know, the... The hot and cold type performances is There's something to do with that. Uh, again, whether that's them making that as a conscious decision, I don't know. But the, the, I think there'll no doubt be an element of that, to be honest. So, I mean, do you think it could be that? Is is it a case that there are, people use the term already on the beach? Could there be?
3: Very much so. Um, it's not something a professional probably likes to be tarred with, is it? That they've down tools, if you like, and yeah. You know, you' know, throwing in a throwing in you know, throwing one in like you know, can't be bothered or whatever you know what this means nothing. um So to be fair to them, we have actually struggled against teams that have come in satback for for quite a while now. Um, yeah. and the teams especially at home, I mean it was like 11, 11 defeats this season, but or I think 11 home defeats this season, but 10 of them there's only the Watford game that's been by more than one goal. So nobody comes and batters us, really, apart from that one game against Watford. And and that wasn't without its promise because it meant that we didn't see Aidan Flint again. So it served a purpose in some respect. <laughs> um, but it's like the, let's like say, the, the, ten, the 10 defeats there by one goal say to me that teams get in front, they drop back 10, 15 yards, protect that lead, and we start scratching our heads and being like, hmm. How do we do this? <laughs> what what do we do now? And I think that's that's what they've got to overcome because there are going to be times next season when we go behind at home or away and whatever and team set And especially if we are going to be looking to get a sort of a playoff charge and going to be at the top end of the table in the top six or the top two even, God forbid, <laughs> mm-hmm. then, then we really... Are going to have a more the, you know, the higher the league get, the more and more sides are going to come and sit in, aren't they? And 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 sabre down because it, a point will be a, a good result. You know, similar to what we saw. I mean, this isn't a new problem. When we got no. you know, when, when we first came into this division, five was it five years ago now? This is the fifth season. Yeah. Do you remember we broke the world record for the amount of draws in a season? We had twenty-three draws that season. Now. That was more than any other team in world football that year. And that was because we had a load of money spent and we brought a load of players in. But teams came and they thought, you know what, if we can get away here with nil-nil, then that is fantastic. So, OK, and they all sat back. And again, we played 90 minutes of sideways passing, scratching red, going, oh, you have it, you do something with it. Uh, well, I don't know what to do. Uh, tell you what, pass it sideways to 10 yards. You know, mate, do you want to do something with it? And yeah, I don't think I can do anything. you have it back, mate. See if you can do <laughs> it. It's like yeah. that, that's all that happened. Just, there was no sort of creativity in that. And, um, I mean, there have been spells when we've been able to see where we've been more dynamic and that. But this season, it seems that when teams leave sort of gaps and stuff, we're absolutely lethal and we can we can use our pace. And, and, and that seems our strength lies in attack, isn't it? It's pace and running. Um, pressure and I think when when we don't have those act- when we can't put those attributes to good use the other side of it we struggle with so that is something definitely needs addressing this summer and I'm sure the manager um, I did see somebody actually made some good points and said that if we, we're obviously not going to go up so losing these games for Alex Neal actually is probably a better thing than winning, than just coasting to a few wins because he can see deficiencies the- he can see issues and he can see problems and that gives him the opportunity then to know why he needs to put things right in the summer rather than his coasting to three or four three goal victories in these last half dozen games and him going into the summer thinking everything's rosy and you know we well, actually having some problems I don't see any problems we just keep battering everyone as far as I can see
2: <laughs> yeah well you mentioned about you know being dynamic and and finding holes. I mean, if you think back to the uh Jacob Brown goal, I mean, you know, again, good team move. You know, Tarry's picks the ball up, obviously back to goal with thirty yard yards out, squares it to Fox. Fox is brilliant, uh kind of cross in and there's Jacob um to nod it in. You know, I think a few weeks ago Jacob probably even misses that, you know what I mean? He 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 doesn't time his run better. He's he's scored a, a goal or two and I think he's his confidence has gained up. Unfortunately, it's at the wrong end of the season now, but you know, again, it's an example of how good we can be and how good Jacob can be in terms of his time and his runs and using his pace and you know finishing. Um, I mean it wasn't a bad move, was it?
3: No, not at all. I mean, what Morgan Fox was doing up there on ESC as he was playing at centre back, I do not know, but I'm all for it.
0: <laughs> it's got lost.
3: Yeah. I am happy I'm I'm very happy to see that. Um so that, was, say that was nice, and then I see you Brown nodded it, and he seemed to, um, to me, sort of breasted it and it came off his chest. Mm-hmm. And did he sort of, um, you know, I mean, can have you ever seen Messi score with his chest like that from eight yards out? No, I don't think you have. <laughs> um, Jacob Brown can do it. I, I thought, yeah, the fact he was in those positions, and those were his type of goals, aren't they? Where he just yeah. sniffs out, he's in the right place, right time. It's, I'd say, a sign that he's back, in, back in a bit of a good place. And like, like you've just said there, it's a shame. It's, yeah, you know, we're running out of games. But nine goals for the season, and then and Campbell both got nine. Both, you know, it'd be good if last four games, if they can both just get another one and get themselves into double figures. It's, you know, it's not bad, not bad season then, is it?
2: No, and I'll talk to you about my prediction later on. But one of them will be getting into double figures, um, and it might not be who you think. Um, so yeah, I think first half it was, again, it was okay. I wouldn't say anything special. I don't think we really looked in much danger. West Brom didn't really seem really on it, to be honest with you. Uh, first half, obviously, we've gone into the, um, obviously the second half, which we'll get onto in a sec. We've gone into that in a completely different stance. But I think obviously, you know, we've we've got to mention. The man who's been, but well, he's been a rock all season, hasn't he? Uh Ben Wilmot. Um, you know, it, again, he, he's he's going to be our player of the season by the looks of things. And you know, we mentioned about you know players not wanting to get injured, and unfortunately, he's he's gone down. And at the time, Dan, I'm not sure what you thought, but it looked a bit of a of a nothing tackle from the first angle that I saw. It was like, okay, they've gone up, he's missed time, he's slipped, and he's gone over. Obviously, when you look at the other angles. He's gone up mid air and he's been pulled back by the West Brom player and what, what seems to be at that on almost at the top of his back or the bottom bottom of his neck. Um, now, it's obviously it's not a great place to injure yourself. Um, he had to be obviously get a bit of gas and air and I think in the end taken off to obviously in an ambulance. I mean, it doesn't look good for him. I mean, I think he spent. I don't get too much speculation, down, but. It, it looks like you know he spent the the the, the day in the hospital. Players went up to see him. Apparently, um, I mean, I don't know about you, but it never looks good if he's having to stay in hospital for any amount of time, is it?
3: No, I believe he's. I mean, we're recording this Sunday night, and as far as I'm aware, from reports I've seen, he's still in hospital. Um, so that's that? over twenty four hours, and well over twenty four hours. Um, yeah. So I say it's not not good um i know stoke likes to keep sort of injury news close to the chest but i do hope we get you know a, a sufficient update and there's a lot of people who are you know a lot of people who is any thoughts at the minute um and hoping that he's you know not too seriously injured and yeah uh, you know, it's nothing that's because you know it backs and spines and and necks and all mm-hmm. that it it they can be very you know serious Serious issues, and even you know, he's still a young man, and he was still in his very early twenties. It's yeah, it's it's not a nice one. To be honest, I'm not I'm not very happy with the with the uh, Commerce Challenge as as it is. To be honest, and I'm not. I understand, you know, these kind of things happen on a football field, and that and accidents happen, and that. But I'm not the way it went about. I'm not not impressed with the. Uh, Mr. Brandon Asante, was Thomas Asante, Asante Thomas.
2: Whoever he is, he's an idiot. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's 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 as you say. It, he's not gone there to injure him. Let's let's not pretend he has. He hasn't gone to do that. Uh, he's gone because he he knows he's lost the ball and he's like, "Oh, sod this, you ain't having it either." I think he's just he's just gone to do that, and um, I just think you know, it it was just I don't know. It was it was a really weird situation. He, he just. Neglectful. I don't know if that's the right word, but you're right. I think it was it was a stupid thing to do. Um do you know what it was Well, it, it was immature and petulant. That's what it was. Yeah. It
3: he hasn't it's not reckless, he hasn't gone out to injure him, he hasn't he hasn't pulled that thing, oh yeah, this will put him out of the game. There's, nothing like that. What he's done is he's tried to know off balance, knowing full well that. Yeah, you know, he's going to give a foul away is he? then. He was—he knows he's—he's he's, he's committing a foul, a pretty clear and obvious foul. But he's not for a—you know—not for a single millisecond thought of the consequences of doing that. And I've heard people say, like, "Oh well, you know, these these things happen fifty times in a match, where you know people pulling over other people, other players, or nudging players and pushing them." There is one thing. If someone goes to goes to jump for a ball and you lean into them or you nudge them, that is one thing. But having somebody where both feet are off the ground, he's in the middle of the air, and you literally pull him from the from the shoulder backwards, where he's you know, where he can flip the, the body movement and send the body all out of sync. And these pitches are hard aren't they yeah you know, these football pitches, yeah they they aren't they aren't spongy they they're not soft there's there's hardly any sort of there's no give in them at all and and that's what surprises people when you have to get out on them isn't they just how hard they are and you think you landing and you're pulling somebody and their body its body hasn't got time to recognise what's happening and get itself into a position to land safely and there's the consequences of it it's it's a sh- Stupid thing to do, absolutely stupid thing to do. Like I said, no, it wasn't malicious. It was just stupid, immature,
2: petulant behavior. I think you put it really well. I think all we can say is hopefully, you know, by the time this comes out, everybody knows what what's going on with him. Um, I think I swear I saw something. I think Pete Smith is expecting an update tomorrow, uh, so maybe Pete will be uh, tweeting out. So if you want to check out Pete Smith's timeline or the Sentinel uh, timeline, I'm sure there'll be something in there. Uh, at some point because the thing any if he spent the night in hospital or whatever it is he's clearly having scans something along those lines are going on so I guess obviously you know they'll wait for results of that and then we'll find out so all the best to Ben anyway um hopefully we yes. well, yeah, we'll I, I'm sure his season's over but um either way you know when to see him back next season he could be absolutely you know crucial to our defense to be honest I think he's a he's a really good player he's only going to get better hopefully so and I mentioned earlier about a 12th man, West Brom's 12th man. Uh, we've got to mention it. Uh, we've seen some quite um, quite awful performances. We've seen some awful moments and decisions that referees have made. But I think this one took the biscuit a little bit. Um, I believe we'll be putting an official complaint into the report, which is fine. It's exactly what it deserves. West Brom probably should do the same thing because he was, he was bad for them. It wasn't a one-sided thing. Though. It was bad for both sides. I think you've completely not protected the players. Um, I, I just I, sometimes you run out of things to say about these referees. And someone was mentioning to me the other day about would VAR help the situation? Um, in certain circumstances, but I just think it's inept uh, in terms of their performances. So I, I guess the question I've got to yourself, Dan. I mean, how do we sort out the officiating? Do we just have to demote these referees when these issues happen? Or is it a complete reform of, of refereeing and maybe something like VAR will come in and help them out?
3: I mean, you say demote. I mean, I, I wouldn't have that guy in charge of everybody Sunday Sunday League match. He shouldn't be doing lads and dads on a Sunday morning. <laughs> but he's seven-year-olds is that what it's like <laughs> the thing with bad officials as well is well, it's some of them just stink of arrogance as the match goes on don't they yeah like they're having a real stink and and, and it's winding it's winding the fans up it's winding he's winding both sets of players up and everything and they just waltz around and lucas have said no, it's is it. and then it looks like and it, i'm i'm again don't get me wrong I'm, I'm sure that he's not purposely making bad and wrong decisions but with the arrogance and the bad decisions and people getting his back and then just doubling up on more bad decisions makes him, and but with the, with a smug smugness about it, you just think it's as if he's going, well, you want to have a go with me? Okay, I'll give another free kick against him for nothing. <laughs> it's like, well, it's, it, it, that's how it comes across. I mean, and that just roused the situation up even more. And I'm, I'd say, I'm not one second saying that that is what happens. It's just, the heat of the moment since he's in the end, and now everybody, you know, the passion that's involved. But, but he is that, I mean, I, I think, was it Alex Neil said it's one of the worst or the worst officiating he's ever seen in a professional game. I, I don't think he's far wrong with that. I mean, we've had some pretty dreadful ones over the years. I remember, I think it was Andy Hall, I think was the referee once he, where. Um, mm-hmm. Was was it Pulis and Gary McAllister held a joint press conference after we played Coventry one year, both saying just how bad he was in a game at the at the what was down at the Britannia Stadium? He's he he rivaled that. We'll give him that, he rivaled that and he was he was itching all day to um to send a Stoke player off onto he just couldn't and like I say um I mean I've seen I've seen some potential uh, a potential lip reading of Ben Pearson. I, I, I hope <laughs> that is what he said <laughs> um I think uh, it a bear pepper on I, I really hope that is exactly what he said that would be fantastic if it was <laughs> it wouldn't far Stoke Stoke should be able to appeal it as well because it's not it's not far off the mark, is it? he he was thought to yeah you know we all thought he was going to back on the coach with him
2: <laughs> yeah but like I say I, I don't Maybe there isn't a solution then, other than... Again, when you think about the powers that the bodies have got, I guess they've they've got a choice of either not letting a referee for a few weeks, devoting them to a lower division, which is typically what they tend to do. Um, obviously, it comes down to the whole training of referees, and, and that's obviously for them to sort out. But it seems like it's been going on forever. And I, mean, I mentioned VAR. I don't think it'll solve it because... I mean, firstly, you've got to have a, an actual VAR team worth the salt. Even you, you know, there, it's every single um, ground, which, again, is another thing. Uh, I think I did see something about maybe uh, X players need to be part of a VAR, VAR team. I totally agree with that. Uh, people who actually have played the game uh, is, is what should be needed. Again, it won't solve it. I think it would help. And Obviously, it's not an attractive proposition, but I do think it would help having ex-players being referees. You know, they're generally fitter anyway. They get towards the end of their careers. And then, you know, is there a way that they can make an attractive proposition for them to go into refereeing? Probably not, because they've seen all the abuse that they've given to... Yeah, fast-track them, because they've got common sense. They know the game. They can read situations. But again, I guess, like I was about to say they know the abuse that referees get so it's not an attractive job to take i don't i don't know what the answer is i'm, I'm just trying to throw a few ideas out there but yeah um, I, something's I like got to change eventually. Idea.
3: just playing devil's advocate with that one how would it work if for example say um john terry took up referee when he retired and then um, two years into it, because uh, two years into his refereeing, he refs Chelsea, who we've either got player, uh, well, not Chelsea. Uh, he refs Everton when Frank Lampard was manager there. Mm-hmm.
2: Because the same thing is connection. The same thing that happens now, though, Dan. If you if you've got any connection to the team, you aren't allowed to referee that match. Same thing. But how difficult is
3: that going to be if he's got ex-teammates playing for? Sixteen of the twenty Premier League clubs, or something, or you know, players in the lower leagues who move clubs every 12 18 months, it can end up. It's like you know, oh, you well, used to play with him there, and he played with him there, and he used to play for them, and uh, he, right. He so you're,
2: of- you're opening it, it up, yeah. I see what you mean. Yeah,
3: yeah. Do you know what I mean? It, yeah, it, it's. Oh come on, come. Oh, it's like you know. Oh, come on, Pete. or oh, come on, come on, Dave. You who's playing with me, what are you being like this for? It's, it's that kind, do you know what I mean there's
2: that? mean? Um, it opens up the door for bias or perceived yeah. bias, if you like. Yeah,
3: exactly. Yeah. And that's the thing. It might not be biased, but then if, if a decision is questioned, people will throw that in and say, he's done that because he used to play with them, or he's done that because he's... Uh, he got you know that guy um put him out for six weeks with a bad tackle once it's it's that kind of thing isn't it
2: yeah okay well maybe there isn't an answer then other than demoting players (laughs) (laughs) then maybe that maybe that's what it is
3: i wasn't i wasn't even i'm not even dead against the idea i was just trying to play devil's advocate there and just like weigh up what what the pros and cons could be. Um, funny, funny though. We will get to see something on uh, in this game against Wigan this week because um, obviously we'll get onto the referee stats later in there. But he actually—it's um, only his second ever Championship match. It's a new referee, okay. So we'll get we'll get our first look at him.
2: <laughs> okay. Well, we'll definitely will definitely come back to that. And obviously, Willmott, uh, of course, has has gone off. Um, obviously, now. This is kind of where I think we kind of have a bit of a weakness here. So, obviously, I like Jagielka. Uh, you know, he's a good player. He's he's obviously getting on a bit now. Fox has really stepped up this year. We've talked about him a number of times this season. Um, Axel has just, unfortunately, been a complete waste of a squad place. Um, I don't know what's going on with his injuries, but he clearly can't get over whatever he's had. Um, but this, for me, Dan, is where you see the difference between a bang average defense And then one that belongs to a top 10, top six type of team. I mean, we've got, you know, we've got to strengthen. We talk about strikers um, in this league. Obviously Wilmot for me is the one defender who I think should be in there definitely next season, but we have to strengthen in that defense, whether that's us believing we can get Axel fit and get him on a free, uh, or whether it's a, a new defense entirely, but we've got to strengthen them positions or else we'll be back in square one where we've got an average defense. Unfortunately,
3: yeah, um, I think Sterling would be a key signing. I think he he's quite versatile and so he can play. Probably, he can probably play in centre as well, so he can play all across the defence. I'd say, you know, I think, I think if, if Hoover, um isn't going to be back here next year, then I'd like to see Josh they're uh, going to be giving us a chance, a left-back for me. Yeah. The thing with Axel, you, you do wonder whether Alex Neal's Sort of playing, trying to play him a bit, like not playing, like literally playing on the pitch, but sort of play his emotions. Do you know what I mean? Like, is he trying to make him think? Oh, actually, yeah, this guy's this guy's not throwing me on when I'm half fit. You know, I I need to look after my body, and 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 I don't need to go somewhere where I'm going to be pressured to play when I'm not physically ready. And this guy looks after me. You know, he tells me. No, so you're not. You only play when you're 100% fit. I'm not going to push you, and that's two things because it re you know, it backs up to Axel that this is a good place for him to be long term for his his needs physically at this minute in time. Maybe maybe his body will be physically different in 12, 18 months time, but right now, coming back off these back bad injuries, he needs to be somewhere where he's being looked after and not. Resture or put on probably, or in his head he might think that. And the second point as well is he was putting in some fantastic performances before he got injured. Um, yeah. before he got his latest injury. And the fact that now anyone looking at him will have seen he's come he's come here injured, he's played a couple of games, played well, got injured. It, that's how it looks to anyone looking in, he's come back, he's played four, three, four, five games played really well and now he's been out again for a month. And then that might just quell people's sort of um drive to, to sign him up as well in the summer. So Stoke might be picking off the potential suitors for him by not playing him now because it appears that because then we we'll look at and go actually yeah he is a great player but look at this plays a couple games injured
2: plays a few games injured. Uh, we need someone more reliable than that. Okay, that's an I, interesting take. Yeah, <laughs> you think probably, he's uh, he's he's been that like, cunning? Anything else you want to bring up about the game? I mean, I don't. I've got I've got no appetite for breaking down West Brom's goals. That it wasn't that we were particularly bad. There was a couple of decent challenges going in. I think they just they were in the right place at the right time. They won the second ball. So I don't really want to break them down too deeply. But um, before we move on to some audio and of the match, is there any other observations you've got uh, about anyone else on the pitch that day? They...
3: Uh, Bonham made a couple of saves and then went and ruined it by making a couple of real bad ricks for those <laughs> holes into, um, which is a shame because I'd say the saves he did make were actually pretty impressive. Um, but if you can't do the simple stuff, Jack, it doesn't, you know, the harder stuff, people easily forget about that, don't they, when you chuck a couple in your own net. <laughs>
2: Yeah, it's, it is unfortunate. He stepped up a little bit, but this is what we were talking about last week about the again. If we're going for promotion, you need a, a, a first rate goalkeeper. Maybe Sarkic is is that man, and obviously he's been back in training. So we'll get onto team predictions. But uh, spoiler alert: he's in my team if he's fit, um, and I think he'll be in most people's team if, if he's fit as well. Um, so. We talked about audio. Uh, we obviously had Louis from the Baggies podcast uh, previously on there with the obviously the preview before the game. But we've also heard from him uh, post-match, who I imagine is going to be a little bit happier uh, than he was going into it.
4: Hello, Stoke City fans. It's Louis Bent here from the Baggies podcast. Uh, great to be back on the Every Step Along the Way podcast uh, to give my thoughts on Stoke City 1, West Brom 2. Um, and what a, what a win that was, I think, for Albion. I think, you know, in terms of the first half, probably as bad as we've seen over the, the past two to three weeks, especially probably as bad as Easter Easter weekend's dismal fixtures, which saw us, you know, saw us nearly dumped out of the playoff race completely uh, against Rotherham and QPR. I think it was on par with that, that first-half performance. Um, I think we deservedly were behind. I thought half-time, Carlos Corbran once again had one of the biggest team talks of his time at West Brom, just like he did against um, Luton back in January when we were 2-0 down at half-time. And for once, which can't be said over recent weeks, the player showed the desired reaction that we wanted to see. Um, and I think second half we were much the better side. I think we, uh, we, we, I suppose you know caught caught yourselves off guard. Um, I think that you probably weren't expecting that sort of performance in the second half. You know, we seemed to beat you every time with the ball over the top, which was which was to our to our credit and to sort of to your discredit as well because that was difficult for you to defend and you struggled against that. I think. Um, Thought the referee was 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 pretty poor um, for both for, for for both sides. To be fair, there were quite a few challenges that he just completely missed. Flow of the game started off quite well. He was letting lots of things go, and then eventually he kind of continued in that vein when there actually were fouls to give. And I thought that that was disappointing. Um, I, I won't lie to you. I didn't see the Pearson red um, <laughs> because I had to pop out at the end of the game, so I wasn't able to to catch the second yellow card for that. But um, you know, seeing some of the reaction from, from you know, Stoke fans. Obviously, it's your first red car of the season, which I wasn't aware of. But, yeah, I was disappointed with the first half performance. Second half, much better. Jason Mullumby has had a pain-killing injections to play in that game uh, after a recent injury coming back really quickly. And I'm really pleased to see him get reward for his efforts because he seems to be, a lot of the time, one of the only people driving us forwards. And I think quite literally picked us up and dragged us back into the playoff race today. So, yeah, thanks very much for having me on the show. Uh, best of luck for the rest of the season. And uh, hopefully see you guys soon. Bye-bye.
2: Louis, thank you very much for the audio. Uh, yeah, so Dan seemed uh, happy overall. Can't really blame him, I guess. Uh, and, you know, you know, one thing he, he mentioned, um, and I think he's right, about us being put in trouble with balls over the top. Um, we've been on about this most of the season. Again, for me, as a fragile average defence, that long ball over the top at times, punishing us multiple times this year. Um, something well, again Yelker is quite basic.
3: Jagielka and Fox are not exactly the pieces back to centre-back no. pairing, are they?
2: No, exactly. Which is which is the again? It's 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 another it's another problem that we've got. we, are, we I imagine Jagielka is going to retire. He hasn't mentioned anything yet. I think he will. Yeah. It also think... wouldn't surprise me if Stoke offered him another six-month deal or something.
3: Yeah, I think the the last few, few games have sort. I mean, there, beco- there comes a point, doesn't there, in everybody's career where it just sort of you you you're over that cliff, and then the the you're over the sort of the cliff edge aren't you, and the and then the the steepness of the drop gets quicker and quicker and quicker, and I think him he's now at that point, Anthony where it's. Rapidly, sort of coming towards the end, I think he's showing these last yeah. few games. Um, he's been a, he's had a fantastic career, absolutely amazing career. Was it 800 games he had the other, the other week? He celebrated. Yeah. Um, if he hangs up his boots this summer, he's got nothing to you know, no disappointment. He plays you know, many many times for England, he's won promotion to the Premier League. Uh, he's captained Everton, didn't he, for many years? I'm sure he's captain there. In the Premier League, uh, played the majority of his, of his career at that level, and then he's he, you know, he's he's come down had a great time at Derby. He, he's been a very solid player for us uh, up until recently. So, yeah, um, if I say if he has to hang up his boots, then fair play to him. He's he, you know, he's had a great time, and if he and if he does play on another season, um, I'd say it depends what he wants to do. If he wants to play, if he wants another season. Where he's in and around this in and around a squad and and maybe just you know taking up a place I know possibly doing a bit of coach getting his coaching badges if that's what he's interested in doing going forward and not but not sort of playing that much then by all means I'm sure he'll get another contract here if he wants to do a if he wants to just keep playing and being at a side where he's going to be able to play you know 25 30 plus games next season then he's probably better off, yeah, you know, looking somewhere further down, whether that's the bottom end of the championship or somewhere in League One. It, I, I, one thing, I you know, you haven't mentioned Mr Pearson and his red card, ruining the... Uh, ruining Sorry, the now run. you're breaking
2: up there. The you breaking run. up. <laughs> yeah.
3: Uh, don't, don't try and white noise me out now. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, well, it had to happen at some point, but at least they did call exactly the player who would get the red card. Um, I mean, hardly much of a stretch though, is it, let's be honest. Um <laughs> so yeah, I thought we were gonna move on to that later on, but okay, that's fine. You can call me out for the red card. Um, but I will just point out that it wasn't me who got the red card, so you can't have to go around blaming me that Stone got a player sent off. Um you, so uh
3: you informed the, the gods of this and <laughs> of this uh this run that we were on and you teased them with the ability to send in an awful referee to give us a red.
2: In my defence, I've I've been calling this out for a couple of months, so you can't just say it was because I mentioned it this one week. I've been mentioning it for a while. So, anyway, let's move swiftly on. Uh, Man of the match, Dan. Um, I mean, I'd be interested to see who who comes top of this man of the match poll.
3: Uh, Third place was actually Ben Wilmot and Jack Barnum with 8%. Uh, Maybe a bit of a a sympathy vote, maybe, for Ben. He only played sort of the first 35 minutes. Although I suppose that was the best time we had on the pitch. So maybe (laughs) it was more justified than it thinks they looks. Uh, Second was Sterling with 15% of the vote and a runaway winner, Morgan Fox, 37% of the vote. Bloody hell. That's not happened much. as for player of the season, so obviously there is four games left, but there's only actually two for our player of the season because we need to get the uh, the trophy all engraved and ready for that game against um, the last home game of the season. QPR? QPR. Yeah, mind went blank there, Mike. <laughs> um,
2: <laughs> yeah, you you, you just want this season to be over, don't you? <laughs>
3: <laughs> it's, these are just post-season friendlies at this point, aren't they? Um, Jacob Brown 343 uh, J- Josh Laurent is on 389 Tyrese Campbell is in third on 397 second is Will Smallbone on 535 and first with a 64 point advantage is Ben Wilmot so if we win the next two games Will Smallbone can still catch Ben and overtake him um, I think yeah so that's pretty much yeah Will Smallbone needs to be at the forefront of everything we do in the next two games Anders have at least one win for him to uh, to overtake Ben. There's just one more thing to notice about Ben. Um, have you seen the tweet from West Brom? The appreciation tweet. Mm.
2: Uh, yeah. Well, I mean, fastless is probably the... I think you used class. the word Dan, actually.
3: Yeah, I've got that. I was just going to say, that weird? You took it right out of my mouth. The guy's still in hospital. There's, I mean... Somebody mentioned somebody sort of um, likened it to Ryan Shawcross and Aaron Ramsey situation, and I was racking my racking my brains. I'm like, did we put anything out the next day about like appreciation of Ryan Shawcross at the time? I thought like, I don't think we did.
2: Hmm. No, I don't. I don't think we did either, to be honest.
3: And then that would have been for a guy who left the pitch in tears after being red This, you know. Thomas Asante didn't exactly show uh you know, he wasn't on his knees, was he? Uh, you know, blotting no. into the uh, six five pitch or anything. Not that the UN expected to do that at all, but I'm just saying that like, you know, to to put that out there, it's just sometimes these you know, these club accounts, it's as if they've got a sort of one up and they've got to be a bit edgy and stuff, haven't they? It's like no, there's there's time and a place for it and for you know, stick stick to your banter and all that and, and fair enough, but, you know, just stay classy as well. Stay classy. Well, I
2: can't well. imagine the, the the people at West Brom, uh, the, the hierarchy, I can't imagine they'd be happy with that. That's some 15-year-old Twitter person, buddy, you know, tweeting that out thinking he's smart and clever. Um, I think in the, they'll see the responses, because obviously, you know, anyone who, who runs an account for an official club like that, multi-million pound club. You know they will be looking at the responses to the comments and tweets that they put out, and all the analytics behind it, and they will see the comments. and You think then they m- m- might say, "Luke, you know, just be a bit more careful in future," because you can't imagine that they're too impressed with that. Like I say, it's just some idiot who owns their, you know, runs their page. Um, I don't think it goes through multiple layers of copy before they put a tweet out. I think it's someone just reacting. So, like you say, just just use your bloody head a bit more um, and stop being ridiculous. But Let's not give them any more airtime, mate. they just, let's move on. Um, I've got a feeling we will be playing them next season because they will not be game-promoted. Neither do they actually deserve to either. So, anyway, um, before we move into the Wigan preview, Dan, uh, we have a little bit of under-18s and women's update. There have been a few games here over the last couple of days. There has
3: indeed, yes. So, all the under-18s uh, and trials, women's teams have all been in action. Uh, so we'll kick off with the under-18s. Now they lost 3-2 at home to Blackburn on Saturday. Uh, so Watson opens open scoring gave the, uh, the young Potters a nearly lead, before three Blackburn goals either side of half time, and gave them obviously a, a couple of goal advantage. Oliver Challoner pulled a late consolation back, it led to a bit of a tense finish, but Blackburn held out. Unfortunately, and took the spoils with them. Uh, this week, the under 18s are at home to Liverpool, the 11am kickoff on Saturday at Clayton Wood. Um, so, we've got that game. The under 21s, now they lost 2 0 away at Southampton um, this week. So, obviously, yeah, that was Friday night. They lost 2 0 away at Southampton. And this week, they're at home to Leeds on Monday at Nantwich Town with a 7pm kickoff. Um, so, a game rearranged from the other week when it was called off due to the weather. Um, so, yeah, that's, that's being played. So, obviously, if you're listening to this on the Monday um, but it's released, it's being played at Nantwich Town tonight with a 7pm kickoff. if you were interested in going. Now, the women. The women rounded off their home season with a entertaining 3-3 draw against Huddersfield. Uh, but that does not tell half of the story <laughs> because... The stokes to Stoke ladies uh, women's team were actually 3-0 up after 25 minutes, thanks to goals from Kelsey Richardson, Roisin Cavell, and Sophie Bramford. And they held that three-goal advantage until the 80th minute. But three goals in the last 10 minutes drew Huddersfield level and shared the points. And so up until that last 10 minutes, it was sort of a perfect ending to the season, uh, the, the home season, if you like. Um for the Potters women's team. But, unfortunately, like I say, that league uh, disintegrated and they've had to to share. So, uh, they do move on, though. They haven't got a game this coming weekend, um, but they do then face top of the league, Forest, in the final game of the season. So, they're away to Forest on the 30th. Um, So, yeah, Nottingham Forest currently top. Um, but the team at Burnley, uh, they're in second. And they do have a game in hand, and if they win that, then they will go above Forest ahead of that final day. So we do have a um, an opportunity to decide where the title goes, don't we? One way or another, yeah. You know, we can do our bit uh, to just make things interesting.
2: But yes, that yeah, we natural to go out on a high.
3: Yeah, and uh, like I say, and the season on a high and. Uh, Set us up for next season then, doesn't it? But yes, that's uh, that's all the news coming out of, uh, like I say, the the youth and women's teams this weekend.
2: Thank you very much. Um, so yeah, enough of the West Brom kind of dissection. Uh, let's look ahead for probably the last time in, a, in quite a while. Uh, Wigan's visit to the Bet365. <laughs>
0: One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com.
1: Picture the scene: all of your mates around, you've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Partner this with your team playing champagne football. Perfect. Order mug delivery now on the McDonald's app. There's nothing quite like a McDelivery. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. So,
2: Dan, uh, Wigan on Tuesday. Now, I'd normally start off asking you about your uh, stats, but let's mix up a little bit. Let's actually hear from Barry from the Progress with Unity Wigan podcast. He's been in touch with his thoughts um, ahead of Tuesday's game.
5: Hi, Barry Worthington here from the Progress with Unity Wigan Athletic podcast. Thank you for asking me to come along and do a little bit of a preview of Tuesday evening's game. Uh, well, it looks like we could quite possibly have our relegation confirmed at the Bet Three Six Five on Tuesday evening. Uh, stranded at the bottom of the table, uh, not playing very well, and definitely not scoring any goals. Uh, I think we scored six since the turn of the year. Uh, Two of those were own goals, and one was a penalty. So I think you can understand that if you score, you're more than likely going to win the game. Uh, very impressed with Stoke City's recent turn of form, but I, I've looked at your own form, and if we had something to play for, which we don't, <laughs> I'd, have, I'd have, and we had a striker which we, who could score goals, which we don't, I'd have been sort of optimistic, but... I'm not. Um, I, I really do think you're, you're probably going to win the game uh, two or three nil. Uh, what well, one thing that does uh, intrigue me is Nick Powell. I uh, was just wondering how, how Nick's going on. I know he's out to contract in the summer. Uh, we was uh, we're going to said We're wondering if he was going to make a return to our club or. If he's loved by Stoke fans, you do know he's a cult hero with ourselves, so we'd take him back if you don't want him. Absolutely no worries on that score. Uh, Two of your former players in the ranks at our club, James McLean and Jordan Cousins. Uh, James McLean has possibly been our player of the season this season. He's been absolutely fantastic. You, You get what you see with him. gives you 100%. Um, never shirks a challenge. I think he's top of the uh, the tackle list in, in the Championship. So we've had a good season out at McLean. As for Jordan Cousins, well, if I told you he's played with the under-21s last week, returning from injury, I don't think you'd be surprised there. In the two seasons that we've had him, I think he's probably played a dozen games and he's been out quite a lot with injury. And it's a pity, really, because he is a decent player and we could have done him done with him in the in, in the squad with his experience. But unfortunately, we've not. Uh, so a couple of players for you to look out for. We've got a young lad, number 32, Charlie Hughes. He's 19 years of age. He's one for the future. He's broken into the team recently. He's come through the ranks. We've had him since he was 14. Top class centre-half. Um, he's going to go all the way to the top. He's, yeah, he's been playing really well. And another one, we've got a lad on loan from uh, the Czech Republic is a French player called Christ Tihi. Uh A little bit different for us. He's uh, in the mould of, of Kante, that type of player. Um, good midfield player, uh, picks the ball up, does your shot two and three uh, passes, but makes a lot of difference with it. He's and he's good on the ball as well, two footed. Uh, and that's why I say it really. <laughs> that's that is literally about it. And if you look at the league table, you'll understand why I'm saying that. So anyway, uh, best of luck uh, for next season. I, I I fancy a tipple on Stoke. Uh, To do quite well You've got yourself a good manager there in Alex Neal So I think you might be pushing for the playoffs next season So I might have a a pound on promotion via the playoffs In the season 23-24 So best of luck for next season And hopefully uh, a pass will cross sooner rather than later
2: Cheers, Barry. Much appreciated. Um, and yeah, I was on your podcast earlier on. Really good speaking to you. Um, and like I said, then, I really hope that you guys uh, bounce back up. I, I've, I've always liked Wigan. It's a nice, easy j- journey. I've never really had much luck whenever, whenever I've gone there, to be honest. But um, I mean, as a club, I, I've got nothing against Wigan. So it'd be nice to see them back. They're always good for both teams to score <laughs> as well, which I love. So um, so Dan, yeah, you mentioned a few players uh, that you might kind of recognize. Uh, you won't be surprised to see that James McLean um, is one of them. And he mentioned that he's the, uh, the player of the season uh, for, for Wigan, which I don't know how much that says about their, their performance this year. But either way, James McLean is, has been the best player and uh, Jordan Cousins has never really been able to play much because of injury. Nothing's really changed on that front. Um, do you think James McLean will have another point to prove?
3: The guy has always got to be in his body, hasn't he? And I'm not gonna get into the reasons why, because um that's a very, very sticky wicket <laughs> to be getting on, isn't it? Um people have all got their opinions on that. Um so yeah, like I say, he, he gets a lot of abuse, uh he gets a lot of stick, and I think he moti- he uses it to motivate him, and I think the more that the crowd go at him, um and the more sticky gets off the Stoke fans, which no doubt he will, because he's just that kind of figure. Now he's not playing for you, he becomes a villain again, same as he was before we signed him, um, and same as he was to some people during whilst he was here. <laughs> um, but yeah, like I say, the, the more the crowd get on his back, I'm sure he you know use that as fuel to to uh, push his performances and uh, even forward even further forward.
2: Yeah, yeah, I, 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 I agree. You just leave the guy alone, pretend pretend he doesn't exist. Um, and that's probably the best way about it. You don't really want him being on form because as much as we... I never had massive problems with James McLean. I thought he was always a bit of an idiot. Um, but at least, you know, there were some games that he did pull us through certain matches. And um, yeah, I, I'm, I'm indifferent to him, shall we say. Um, but let, let's not give him a, an excuse, shall we? And, you know, we talked about red cards earlier. Uh, let, let's not go and get another one. After after to go to all this season with with one. Let's just stick to the one now, please. Um, well, but leaving one one final thing that he mentioned, Dan uh, Barry, he, he's gone for a two or three nil Stoke win, which it's very rare that any opposition fan predicts a loss for their team. But um, he obviously sounds a little bit uh, down. It might be
3: one of them situations where it's like just put me up with misery and relegators, rather than yeah. sort of dragging on weeks and weeks. Like it's gonna happen anyway, so just get it done. Get it done with. Uh, but only the third fan, by the way, this season to predict stroke victory. So the other two was the Blackpool supporter, who said two nil. And we played them away, he said we'd win two nil and we actually lost that game one nil, didn't we? We did. Somehow. And uh, the Swansea fan that we had on who said that we would win two one and we drew that game one one. So you another great record. Yeah, even when they say we're gonna win. <laughs> but uh we're well, not always a great uh, a great thing.
2: No. Well, um we'll come to back to predictions, but um what are the stats saying about Wigan? I'm sure the I mean my my gut reaction without looking at any numbers is that I think when that whenever they visit us in particular, I don't think we've got a great record actually. Well,
3: we've played them thirty six times overall. We have 14 wins, 13 draws and nine defeats. At Stoke, we've played them 18 times, nine wins, six draws and just three defeats in them 18 games. So, for what you're thinking there, you're, you're thinking, hang on, I thought we had a bad record. Well, recently, we've won the last two home games against them and we've won the last four out of five home and away. But before that, we hadn't won any of the previous five at home, drawing three and losing two. Won only two of the last 10 home home-leave games, drawing five and losing three times.
2: Was it Figueroa as well, years back, who scored yeah. that goal from his own yeah. half?
3: Yeah. 2 2. Uh, if you look at the, um, the score lines in recent years, 2 2 comes up quite a lot. <laughs> and that was that game, yeah. So, he was, yeah, Figueroa scored. Um, there was the game probably similar to to um to Tuesday night's game in that Wigan came to the back 365 stadium last day of the season um and obviously they were they needed to win to stay up and they beat I think we it might have been the I think it was the year that we reached the FA Cup final and then we played Man City didn't we in the week uh, at the Atihad on the Tuesday and then yeah. we played Wigan on the final day and they beat us 1-0. Hugo Rodolegas scored and they had uh, they went throwing Roberto Martinez up in the air in front of the away end um, because they they'd obviously they would beat us to stay up. And I think we we sort of there was a few seasons where we, if I remember right, where we sort of had you know results against them at the end of the season that helped them to just get over the line. Mm. So I, I think it'll take more than more than a victory against us though to keep them up this season.
2: Well, yeah, I think Barry mentioned. I think they yeah. I think, if, I think it's if Cardiff win and they lose to us, then I think they're relegated. Um... Yeah, so they
3: can't go down on Tuesday because uh, Cardiff and Reading, they, if, if, if either of them win and Wigan lose, then they're down. But Reading and Cardiff don't play till Wednesday. So oh, okay. it's one of them situations where they can't go down on Tuesday, but by the time they play their next match, they might have been relegated by
2: then. With you.
3: Okay. Well, Stoke's home form for the season has them in 22nd position out of 24. So there's relegation <laughs> form for you. Um, yep. We've got 23 points from 21 home games. Uh, Wigan's away form has them 19th in the away table with 19 points from 21 matches. Uh, in the last oh, five geez. games...
2: <laughs> yeah, <so laughs> I was we- just thinking that you got 19th away worse and you got 22nd home worse. This has got yeah. nil-nil all over it. <laughs>
3: Well, the last five um, last five matches, Stoke are thirteenth in the form table with five points. And Wigan are twenty second in the form table with four points. Um, so Stoke actually have the third highest amount of shots on targets in the league this season, averaging four point six per game, whilst Wigan are the lowest in the league with just two point eight shots on target per match. Um, Stoke have scored 8 goals from outside the box which which is the 7th highest in the division Uh, whilst Wiggins 2 leaves them just 23rd in that table Uh, they've also scored the least in the league in the 6-18 to yard box area so not in the 6 yard box but inside the penalty area they've scored 15 times which is by far the lowest in the division but they actually have one of the highest in the league for scoring inside the six-yard box, where they've managed 14 goals. So do they try and walk the ball into the net or something, Mike? Do they think they're like, well, Wenger's Arsenal, where they just like tippy-tappy it and then just pass it in from that like, three yards?
2: <laughs> well, when I was speaking to Barry earlier, it was like, we're not even getting close. Like They've scored six goals and half of them have been, a, you know, penalties and all that business. I mean, it doesn't even think they're getting close to scoring. Uh, right now, so but man. So I mentioned, I mentioned
3: there that they'd scored, they'd only scored 15 times inside the penalty box, but not in the six-yard box, if you like. Stoke actually in that area has scored 33, so more than twice as many as we're gonna have. Uh, but we've only scored 11 inside the six-yard box, which is quite interesting. So we don't try and sort of gate that. We don't score from that close range. I'm just thinking, you know. I can't. I, I can't see how, how you can score so many goals from so close. To, to corners, <laughs> yes, corners suppose, yeah, corners, isn't it? Goalkeepers that don't come and claim crosses, I suppose, and stay on the line, and then someone just nips in there. Um, Wigan also have a league low of just fifteen goals scored from open play, uh, while Stoke have scored yeah. thirty three in open play. Uh, one stat they do lead the way for this season is they've had more own goals scored for them than any other club. <laughs> um, which would indicate, I always think that's an indication that the delivery's right, because it's yep. forcing defenders into you know cross into you know, slicing the ball in their own net or poking in. Uh maybe the finishing's not there. Maybe that's why they're not scoring many goals then. Uh but yes, that's those are your um so there's one more thing I could say because I mentioned it earlier on. Um, Tyrese Campbell has nine goals this season, which is his equals his best season, which was two thousand nineteen twenty. Um, and obviously you also have Jacob Bowen on nine, so they both both of them are one away from getting double figures for the season.
2: Okay, all right, good. Um, I'm going to ask you about referee stats shortly, but um, I want Dan your prediction actually and your team selection before we get into that. Like to mix it up a bit tonight, have we noticed? Um, so uh, team selection. Um, let's start there. Are you making any dramatic changes?
3: Uh, well, we've got to make two, haven't we? Because Pearson yeah. and uh, Wilmot are unavailable. Um, so I've got Jack Bottom in goal. Sterling and Tymon are going to be my fullbacks. Uh, I'm going I think I'm going to put it's Conor Taylor and Morgan Fox of the defence. So again, I'm thinking about next season. I think Sterling or hoping Sterling will be around next season, so he's going to be at right back. Uh, timing, we've got to give him some minutes to see how he goes in this back four. Uh, and I think like I say, Conor Taylor's more the future isn't he? And Morgan Fox. I'd, I'd, if if I was Alex Neil, I or oh, the amount that he's played for Alex Neal and Alex Neal obviously feels towards him I would be very surprised if he's not offered a contract to stay on next year. Um, so out of the current crop of what we've got available at centre-half, I do think Taylor and Fox would be my best option, um, let's say, because I think all thoughts now need to be going towards next season, don't they? And what you know, what squad we're going to be putting together and where play is going to be come August. Um Midfield wise, a couple of changes in midfield. So obviously, Thompson comes in for me as the sort of the the deeper line of the midfielders. Very different player to Pearson. Um, But the reason, obviously, we needed Ben Pearson is that we do not have anyone who can play like him. So that's, um, I think, if there's one game he he probably possibly could miss, it might be this one where we may see a lot of the ball and. you know, hopefully Thompson can come in and, and maybe sort of you know hit the ground running with his his passing and that. Because he you know, he's got a decent left foot on him and so he can spread the ball well. I think we've just got to keep the ball moving in midfield a lot. That's gonna be the key to this match. So we'll have Thompson holding, then we've got Loren and for me Baker comes in for Smallbone as well. Like I say, his form's gone off a bit and like I say he you know, Southampton are having him back next season, let's face it. So we need Again, need to be looking to next season. There's a few of these changes being made. Now, there's only four matches left. Get Baker and Lorraine in midfield. Um, and then, obviously, we can keep lose Baker in there as well for me going forward when Ben Pearson comes in and he gets the benefit of having Pearson behind him. Uh, for me, Brown and Campbell play on the right and left. Um, they can interchange, they can swap over. And also, you've got Nick Powell against his former club playing in the middle.
2: Okay. Um, I think Nipal will end up back at Wigan next year, just saying. So you know. I'm pretty convinced of that myself. Um, mine's a bit different. I not not, not, not... <laughs> well, I mean, they've got to be careful. If they do that again, they get an automatic nine-point deduction. So you better be careful with that. Um, so anyway, I've gone Ingol Sarkic. I think I'm just assuming he's going to be fit. He was in training what, a week or so ago. Um, so maybe he will, he will make an appearance. Uh, again, not that he'll be too busy, I don't think. Uh, but Sarkic and goal. And then pretty much the same defense. So same back uh, kind of center backs. Uh, Timon on the left and Hoover on the right. I know what you're saying about Sterling and he's probably going to come back more likely than, than Hoover, but I don't think he's going to make that many changes in defense. I mean, four changes would be a lot. Um, and then I've gone same midfield pretty much. So Lorraine, Thompson and Baker, and then Gale, Brown and Campbell um, up front. I think that's pretty much what it'll be. They're thereabouts, but I agree. We haven't really got another holding midfield other than Thompson, so I think he's the natural replacement for Pearson. Um, Brown, I'm going give you my prediction. I think it'll be a 2-0 Stoke win, and I think Jacob Brown will get both of them. And he will be the one that takes him into double figures, not Tyrus right. Campbell.
3: Okay, well, I've gone for a 3-0 Stoke win, and all three of the front three have got a goal. Brown, Campbell, and Powell. Oh, okay. And that, okay. by the way, is the third home game in a row I've predicted us to win 3-0. And the previous two, we've lost 2-1 after being 1-0 up. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> uh,
2: well, that that, that's, uh, that sounds great, doesn't it? Um. Well, speaking of predictions, uh, now, Mr. Graham McGarry, somebody who's top of the actual prediction leaderboard, who has been in touch again, um, now, we all know Graham. If anyone's listened for more than five minutes, you know he's missed a positive. Uh, he never predicts a Stoke uh, loss at all. Uh, if we're playing Man City, he'd have us to win, I'm pretty sure. So uh, <laughs> let's have a quick listen to see what Graham's gone for for Tuesday.
6: Hello there. Once again, you Potters predictors as we get ready for a midweek game at the Bet 365. Unfortunately, the result didn't go the way of the Potters. On Saturday when West Brom came and did a job and took the three points back down the M6 to the Hawthorns. So a great chance to bounce back against relegation threatened Wigan Athletic who have had their problems both on and off the field this season. And it's a real chance for Stoke City to give the home fans something to cheer about and hopefully some goals as well. Alex Neal has got a few choices to make, of course, in his team selection before he sends that side out against Wigan Athletic and let's hope whoever he selects can produce the results. Surely Stoke City are going to get the three points from this one. If they don't, it won't be a very good atmosphere leaving the Bet365 on Tuesday night. So I'm going to go for that home win, Stoke City to win it. They don't score a lot of goals to Potters but they might get a couple this Tuesday night. Stoke 2,
2: Wigan 0. Cheers, Graham. 2-0 Stoke win, I've noticed, which, um, once again, copying off me, that's two weeks in a row, but uh, we'll, we'll let you off. I've got a feeling that he's playing it safe now, Dan. I mean, it'd be bold to predict a Wigan win, I think, considering their form and where they kind of are in terms of a mentality and as a club. But um, I think he knows he's top of this leaderboard, and as long as he plays it safe, he's going to win it. So, yeah. Okay. Uh- Fortunately, he didn't,
3: top, he didn't get top of that leaderboard by predicting Wigan to win, did he?
2: Let's be honest. No, no, he didn't. I suppose not. Um, now, ref stats done. Um, surely it can't be as bad as the last shower we've just had. So, um, yeah, and like you said earlier, uh, red cards. We've already brought that up, so we can ignore that one. Uh, <laughs> but uh, I'm assuming it can't be as bad as the last one we've had, anyway.
3: Right, so the ref is Tom <laughs> So he's So he made his championship debut on the second of January this year, uh, when he refed a one 0 home win for West Brom against Reading. Um, dished out four yellow cards for Reading, one for West Brom in that day, and that is so far his only championship game he has ever refereed in. So he's mm-hmm. never refed, never ref Stoke. Uh, he's refed Wigan four times. Obviously, not none this season, but his four times previously, which obviously when they've been in League One, um, handed out 10 yellows, no reds, given them one penalty and awarded none against them in those four matches. They also have two wins and two losses with him in charge with the whistle. However, all four of his previous matches with Wigan have come at their, their grounds. So it's the first time he's ref them away from home. Just so you kind of know what kind of ref he is, 22 games this season, he's brandished 64 yellows. Cards, two reds, and given five penalties. So the penalty count seems a bit high—one in every four matches. Um, but yeah, three, three yellows, and then a red every eleven games. Probably about par, isn't it? Um, of them, twenty-two games a season. He's had eight home wins, five draws, and nine away wins.
2: So a yes. hey, mixed bag. Yeah,
3: that's okay. the man with the whistle.
2: Thank you very much. Uh, we've had a string of tweets, by the way, uh, with people's predictions and a couple of teams. So I'm going to read these out. Uh, SCFC, Ethan, uh, considering the circumstances, he's going for a 1-0 Wigan win. Uh, Neil Price going for a 3-0 win, uh, which is good. Uh, John Upfield, a 2-1 loss. I'm thinking, what's wrong with you people? 2-1 loss. Uh, no Pearson no Wilmot. And a Stoke charity comes calling again. If Sarkis is available, I'd start him as well. Taylor, because uh, as well as Taylor, because Jags uh, Luke's finished. So his team is Sarkic, Henry, Taylor, Fox, Timon, Thompson, Lorraine, Baker, Selena, Brown, Campbell. Um, we've got Selena existed, to be honest. Uh, Stokes City Central have gone for a 2-0 win. Well done. Um, John O'Field again. He actually asked you a question, Dan. So a little bit backtracking here a little bit, but I'm going to ask it anyway. He says, I know we should be moving on from yesterday, but did you see about Warmer being the ref when we played Crew 17 years ago and how when Crew scored, he grabbed the ball to take it back to the middle? Surely Dan Buxton already has that stat ready. Did you know that one?
3: Yeah, I think he also, he like, yeah, punched the air in front of the fans as well. Like, come on, get up, come on. Yeah, okay. <laughs> okay. No, <I was> <laughs> no, he's... Um... He was 17 years ago. Why is he still reffing now? That's what
2: I want to know. <laughs> yeah, just... he must have been about five years old. Um, yeah, so yeah, yeah John, answer yeah. the question. Yes, Dan. Hopefully,
3: hopefully we won't we, have to put with him for two weeks longer because he is absolutely dreadful. No. Uh,
2: Matt Allen says, uh, 1-0 Stoke. Can see us playing a similar way to Saturday. Decent in the first half. Run out of steam in the second half, although we managed to hold on. I expect a similar squad as well, unfortunately. I can't see a Neil changing the lineup too much. Maybe Taylor gets in for Wilmot. So I think it's a bit of a theme here, man. I think Taylor's high up on everyone's uh, want to see list. Um, Theolus says, uh, We win and Cardiff win. They're down, uh, which she' just asking an earlier question about whether they could get relegated on Tuesday. Uh, ben Goodwin, 2 0 win. Bonham, Hoover, Taylor deserves a chance. Uh, Fox, Sterling, Thompson, Smallbow, and Lorraine. Campbell on the right. Brown up top. Timon on the left. Pretty much a carbon copy. What we've said, I think, pretty much. Um, direct and a lot of pace gets balls into the box. Uh, a couple more. We've got Rory going for a 1 0 win, and Sturkey Bill's gone for 2 2. Um, and that is pretty much it. I think I don't think I've missed anyone off. So thanks everyone for uh, those comments. And we don't do it enough, but if you want to keep in touch uh, with us throughout any day and time, typically uh, go to Twitter at every step along the way, or every step along is the official tagline, or of course the Facebook group, which is growing uh, quite nicely. So Thank you for everyone's predictions. Growing as we talk. It is. Yeah, I keep getting notifications about people joining, so that's always good. Um, Okay. I don't think I've missed anything, Dan. Um, Anything else you want to bring up about the Wigan game?
3: Um, No. Uh, would you like me to run you through some uh, gaffer Super 6? I suppose you definitely want to. Oh, be on he... Super 6 is happening, do
2: uh, Yo, yeah, I know I've done you on Super 6, because once again, you've forgotten to do your Super 6, I believe. I
3: like I said, I, I knew I did that. I even said last Wednesday, didn't I, on the last podcast when we recorded it, I was like, I've already done my Super 6 this weekend, I've already put it in. And then you messaged me, and I was like, sitting there thinking, oh, I wonder how many points I've got, I'll check in a bit. And then you message me saying, "Said you've got none here, Said you've got no, not even got any results up, and like, for goodness
2: sake. Yeah, unlucky, but I predicted the correct score between Chelsea and Brighton, 2-1 to Brighton. I was convinced they were going to win. I mean, yeah, Chelsea is just yeah, yeah. a bloody awful team.
3: I do do another like, little predictor game with a few of my friends and I did have that down as well, 2-1 to Brighton. Um, Chelsea just awful, aren't
2: they? <laughs> yeah, I think they, they made the most expensive substitutions in history um of the weekend. <laughs> Two, £281 million, uh was there. Uh, substitutions and they're still lost they're in serious trouble as are Everton but we're not going to go into that but yeah there's they're going to have to be very careful them two teams
3: we may well be talking more about Everton on this podcast next season
2: (laughs) wow yeah they're going back a bit but no carry on sorry
3: (laughs) yeah I was gonna say so super six um I stay in 76 position and stay on 257 uh, whereas you picked up nine points this this week uh, which takes you on to 328 points and into 60th place so yeah I think I have to uh, concede defeat on that 71 points I don't think I've got enough weeks left even if you didn't bother filling it in to catch you uh, Luke Jones is top on 4 uh, 4, three, four. Second is Ben Dawson on 428, and third is Nick Green on 426. So it's all to play for. It's hotting up at the top of our uh, Super Six table there. Uh, Gaffer, now I am doing a lot better than that. I'm 18th on 2377. You are 22nd on 2242. So 135 points sounds a lot, but two or three weeks, you know, you could probably, if you have some, uh, somebody bangs in a couple of tricks in consecutive weeks or something, you might be able to pull. Pull a lot of that back.
2: I must uh, have, I don't know. I've actually got up now, Dan. I'm on twenty-first place, apparently. I don't know what's happened, way, games-wise. You
3: but... Yeah. Um, maybe I'll it's just it. updated. Maybe it's just updated from when I uh, from when I had a look. But yes, you're only three only three places behind me, mate. You're closing in. Uh, Jack Curran still leads the way. Uh, Pookie Blinders is still second, and at Stoke Gaffer is still third. Uh, and in the one that you're most important to your, your prediction table, uh, Graham is on 51 points. I am on 42. You're on 41. And the opposition fans have 25. Um, obviously, opposition fans have gone for 2-0. You've gone for 2-0. Graham's gone for 2-0. So, you know, you'll either all be scoring seven or you'll all have two or none. I've gone for 3-0. So potentially that could work in my favour if I get it right. Or if you all get it right, that could see me drop even further behind Graham and even behind yourself as well, Mike.
2: I should think so because I was top pretty much all season for the last 10 games, I'd say. Which I know is that's still a good third of the season, but still. Uh, I've still top the vast majority and I was I was by a long way at one point. It's not fair. But anyway, we can't let a blinking Graham McGarry win, mate. So whoever does it, me, you, I don't care who, um think even maybe the opposition fans can make a an appearance. I don't think they can get enough points for that yet, but can't let Graham win. Come on. Um, so Dan, before everyone go, and we haven't got many of these podcasts left. Obviously, we've got the uh, the Wigan one. We've got Cardiff, of course, on Saturday, and then QPR's last home game. I mean, we're going to be trying to keep up keeping uh, everyone informed during the uh, the summer. Obviously, you know, we'll keep up to date with any kind of transfer news, uh, bits like that. We may potentially have a special on the way. Um so we're gonna well the few specials actually, isn't there? We've got we've got a few plans, shall we just say that, Dan?
3: Yeah, and the fact that it's gone from we have a special on the way to we may potentially have a special on the way with a first team player possibly gives an indication as to who that first team player was after the events of the weekend.
2: Yeah. Ben Pearson, you idiot. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah.
3: Um, yeah, you're not in marks he doesn't want to speak to you anymore
2: <laughs> no no. alright well anyway everybody thank you for, for listening uh, if you aren't already whatever device you're listening to this on and you know, whatever platform you do make sure you click on the subscribe button then you won't miss a single podcast uh, we've got a few weeks left of the season so let's, hopefully we can go out on a high uh, but either way uh, Dan always good to speak to you and uh, we'll catch everybody um, in a few days
1: Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See
0: mcdonalds.com. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with Code Program for a four-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code Program. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport.
3: Powered by fans.